Well, this morning, um, I am super excited to continue in Acts. We're continuing to preach through Acts. And uh, I'm going to take up in uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 22. And uh, this is a pretty exciting part of the story. Lots of drama going on in the early church. So we, uh, I'm just going to get this so I can see it. So here we go, verse 1. But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue of, at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's us, believers, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you're to do. The men who were traveling with him, they stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. And Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. And so they led him by the hand, and they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, he neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision... A man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed, and he entered the house. And laying his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. And he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed, and they said, Is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? Of those who called upon his name? And he's, has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. Come on. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome story. And for those of you that have not figured this out, uh, Saul is Paul. Many times you had a Roman name and a Greek name, and so they, they, they would have different names. But he started going for Paul after, after this time. This was, this was the Apostle Paul, and this is his magnificent conversion. 
But let me tell you something that preceded this extraordinary encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus appears to Saul on the road on his way to persecute the church, and Jesus appears before him. But something happened before this happened in Acts 7, starting in verse 58, when Stephen was being martyred, the first martyr of the way, the first martyr to be killed after Jesus left. And this is what happened. They're stoning Stephen. They cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, so you see the two players here? That young man named Saul is this Saul. And he was leading in such a way that the people who were doing the dirty deed, and they felt doing the Lord's work of killing this man Stephen for what they thought was heresy, Saul is standing there and they're like, hey man, we... We're, we're listening to your teachings. You're doing a great job. You hold our coats, and we'll take care of this, boss. That's the type of situation we got going on. And so they lay it at his feet. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house, and he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. So previous to this encounter that Saul, in the zeal of doing what he truly believes is right, he is persecuting Jesus Christ with zeal, with the willingness to break into homes and drag people off to prison. And he is there present with Stephen. And what does Stephen do? Stephen prays for everyone that is stoning him in that situation. What does that remind you of? Jesus Christ. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he says, Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. Do not hold this sin against them. They know not what they do. Stephen is doing the exact same thing. He's praying for those that are killing him. And he says, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Now, why is he doing this? Because he understands. You see, you see, Stephen understood the authority that we have been given by Jesus Christ. All of us who follow Christ have been given an authority to forgive people's sins. You're like, are you, what? Hold on. Isn't this interesting? Well, let me prove it to you. In John chapter 20, verse 23, Jesus says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. I should have put that up on the board because you guys are looking at me like, I still don't believe you. Let me read it again. Open up your Bible. John chapter 20, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. You see, Jesus Christ has given us the authority to pray for people who aren't repenting that God would grant them repentance. Now I'm going to unwrap that a little bit more as we go. But what an extraordinary thing. And you see, Stephen understood that he was supposed to be praying, just like Jesus did. 
And essentially, what is it? John 3.16, that God so loved the world that none should perish. He desires none should perish. If anyone would believe on Christ, they will be saved. He gave his only begotten son that none should perish. If we will choose him, God desires to forgive our sins. And Jesus prays, Father, forgive them. And many of those people that had crucified Jesus that day turned to the Lord. And Stephen, when he's being killed by Saul and these people, prays, Father, don't hold this sin against them. I want you to grant them repentance. I don't want you to punish them for this sin. I want you to forgive them for this sin. I want them to receive the one thing that God wanted for all of us, and that is that we'd be reconciled back to the Father. And what happened with Saul? Jesus himself answered that prayer. Jesus himself answered that prayer and met Saul on the road and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Pretty incredible, isn't it? It wasn't just a flippant thing that Stephen was doing. He was operating in the delegated authority of Jesus Christ as a minister of reconciliation. That is what we are. That's the authority that we walk in. We walk in power to see people come unto salvation in answer to our prayers as we agree with Jesus' prayer. And Stephen just demonstrated this with the chief persecutor, the most zealous who was persecuting the church. It's pretty extraordinary. But there's another player in this, and that's Ananias. Think about what Ananias had to do. Ananias had to be willing to go and heal someone who, in his own words, had done evil. Remember in this verse, it says this, so God appears to Ananias as Ananias is praying and hanging out, and he says, Ananias, I want you to go, I want you to go lay hands on Saul, and Ananias responds, "Uh, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil, and it uses the word evil, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. So Ananias is presented with something really interesting right here. Ananias has to be willing to forgive someone who had killed his people. This is not a small thing. Lord, you want me to go to Saul, the guy that killed Stephen, and is binding people and throwing them in prison to be taken in front of the council so they can then be killed and imprisoned? You want me to go to that guy? Lord, you, you know who you're talking right here, Jesus. I love that Jesus treats us like right, real people too, right? Ananias is having a vision, talking with the Lord. Go do this thing. Uh, but Lord, <laughs> so he says, so he's, he's presented with having to not only be willing to forgive someone who killed his people, but then he has to put action to it. He has to actually go. I mean, it's one thing to pray like, yes, Father, for help, you know, Lord Jesus, help, help the people in Ukraine and Russia to figure that out. It's another thing when Jesus says, actually, I want you to go. You're like, oh, you, you want me to go send some money to some people that are there? No, I want you to go. Ah, uh, okay. That's another thing, isn't it? It's one thing to say, Lord, help me to love my neighbor. It's another thing where he goes, why don't you go invite him over for dinner? Like, Lord, do you know who they voted for? (laughs) So he has to forgive him, then he has to put action to it. He had to go where Saul was staying and do what God had said to do. And what did he have to do? He had to lay hands on him and heal him. It's pretty incredible. See, Most of us, I think, are pretty happy to have our enemies smote blind. This is the chief persecutor of the church. And Jesus met with him, and it was like, 
Saul, you're persecuting me. And he smites him blind. Just say smite because it's fun to say. Yeah, right? It's good. That's a good smiting. Like we prayed, right? Father, forgive him. He knows not what he does. The Lord's like, hey, good job, Stephen. And smites. How many of us honestly wouldn't mind if our enemies were smited blind? They don't have to die. Just smite them blind so they stop ruining the world, right? Just come on, be honest. Wouldn't it be kind of nice? I mean, I'm trapping you, but I think it all the time. Just smite them blind, Lord. But here's the deal. Well done, Jesus. You blinded the enemy. It's a miracle. I'm safe now. I feel awesome. Also, I feel vindicated. Like, who are the enemies of the Lord? Look around the room. Who's stumbling around blind? Yeah, think about what you did, dummy. <laughs> but Jesus has something better in mind. He's something else that he wants to do. Yes, he humbled Saul, and he turned him from persecuting the church, but he wants to have Saul as a son, which will make him my brother. It's like one thing to be like, smite that sucker. It's another thing to be like, and then Jesus is like, okay, I've humbled him. Now I want you to go, and I want you to heal him. And you notice the greeting. Think about the greeting here that Ananias comes is he says, my brother Saul. The Lord has sent me. Ananias has to forgive him and then go to his house and then greets him as my brother. This is some hardcore Jesus business. Are you guys with me? I, I have to admit, I don't naturally want the people who hurt the ones that I love to be my brothers. I mean, honestly, none of us, I, I don't think any of us naturally are like, you're a straight jerk, and you're doing this in the name of what you believe is good and right, and you're arrogant, and you have power and authority to ruin my life and my children's life. You're threatening everything that I believe in. You literally think that you're correct. You're arrogant about it. You tell everyone about it. You're willing to take my rights away and bind me. No, I don't flip and want to love you and make you my brother or my sister. Naturally, I am not going to do that. But here's Jesus coming and he's saying, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go because I actually want that person to become my son. I want that person to become my daughter. I want them to not just be humbled and stop doing evil. I want them to turn to me with their whole heart and I want them in the family. And I gave my life for that. And in this case, Stephen, while he was giving his life, prayed for this brother Saul that I wouldn't count the sin against him. And Ananias, you don't get to count that sin against him either. Now go heal him. You guys, we're called to do the same thing. We have authority to do the same thing. So Ananias risks his life and he greets Saul, brother Saul, and he lays hands on him. Look at this prayer. He lays hands on him. He says something. He says Receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This jerk, this guy, this guy doesn't deserve the Holy Spirit. We paid a price. To walk with Jesus. We've paid a price. We've been persecuted for Jesus. And you're going to forgive my enemy. And you're going to heal him. And then you're going to give him the same Holy Spirit that comforts me. The same Holy Spirit that leads me. You're going to do that? That's what you're asking? 
You guys, this is actually the foundation of the faith. This is the authority that we walk in. In Matthew 6, verses 9 through 14, it says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's saying, let your will be done. What is it? Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts predicated on as we also forgive our debtors. What's his will? That people would be forgiven. When do we get forgiveness? As we forgive others. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What does the evil one want us to do? He wants us to curse rather than bless. He wants us to hold offenses rather than forgive offenses because when we hold offenses, it puts them and us into bondage. And look at the next scripture. Jesus, this is Jesus' words. For if you forgive. So he just taught us how to pray. The very next part of this prayer, Jesus says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see this authority? So when Jesus, before he left, when he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them, he said, you now have authority to forgive sins. And if you forgive them, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they're retained. But the implication is, if you don't forgive them, you also aren't forgiven. Because we're, this is the canon of Scripture of what he's taught. You and I, our authority is to forgive people, to pray for people that aren't repenting. To forgive people that aren't sorry for what they've done yet. And to pray to Jesus for it. We're supposed to be praying that God would grant forgiveness to the very person that's killing us. We're actually asking that God would save the person that's binding us. It's an unbelievable, incredible, miraculous thing if we're actually doing it. But we have authority to do it. And Saul is this picture of God doing that. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Father, forgive them. They, they don't have any idea what they're doing. They think they do, but they don't. They have the power to bind me in the natural for the moment, but I have authority to call out to you that you would unbind them from sin and death, that they would know you. Think about in our day and age right now. Ananias is saying, Lord, is this not Saul, the one who's been given authority to bind your people? And Jesus says, I want you to go, and I want you to unbind him. He has authority to bind you in the natural. I'm wanting you to go and unbind him in the supernatural, in the spiritual. It's pretty incredible. And he walks in that authority and God gives him the Holy Spirit. And the rest is history, isn't it? We're reading scriptures, many of which Paul actually taught us how to walk with the Lord. What an amazing conversion. And that's what Jesus came for, that none should perish. You guys, this life is filled with pain. This life is filled with, with combat. This life is filled with conflict. This life is a war for your soul and for the souls of all God's sons and daughters. We have wonderful things. We have comfort. We have the spirit of God. We have breakthroughs. And we, have, we have battles that we win. And the war is won in Christ Jesus. He will finish it. But make no mistake, we're in a war for the souls of people. And the stakes are high. But you and I have authority to pray for people that they would be saved. That's the desire of God. And that they would turn from darkness unto the light. But we actually win those battles by praying for people and forgiving them before they repent. Are you, are you seeing this? Peter, when he's talking with Jesus, Jesus is explaining this. This ridiculous, crazy, upside-down kingdom where we forgive jerk faces and selfish, horrible people and murderers that hurt us. And Peter goes, this is insanity. 
He goes, okay, well, I have to forgive. I get it. Okay, if I, if I forgive others, I'll be forgiven. If I don't forgive others, I won't be forgiven. And Peter says in, uh, in Matthew 18, uh, 21 through 23, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? And Peter's thinking, that's got to be plenty. Like, I, like, he's going, okay, I have to forgive, but come on, let's be reasonable. How many times do I have to forgive? How many times? And, of course, you guys know the answer. Peter says, Jesus says to Peter, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. This is 490. And the Lord says his mercies are new every morning, so that's 490 times a day. I, I truly doubt any of us have had somebody sin 490 times in one day. And the point is, is that God's saying, as many times as they sin, you forgive them. You guys, this is what we're called to. This is what we're called to right now. I'm not denying that the stakes aren't extraordinarily high right now. The enemy is working all over to try to enslave and bind the minds of people ideologically to bind the minds of people spiritually, to cause people to, in the name of righteousness, to persecute the freedom that Christ gave us, to tie us up, to use every means necessary, whether it's entertainment, whether it's uh, political movement, whether it's legislative, whether it's peer pressure. He seeks to bind the minds of men and women that we would serve him and that we would march without being interrupted directly into the arms of Satan that we would be separated from God forever. That's his design and his desire. But you and I, in this place, in this time, the way that we combat that is that we are the people of God, with God. And we pray for those very people who don't understand. They're coming to bind us in different ways unto their understanding of what righteousness is. And God says the only way forward for you no matter who they are, whether it's your neighbor or whether it's your wife that won't forgive you or whether it's a coworker, or whether it's someone at a national or a state level, whatever it is, whatever the thing is that you're thinking of right now when you're like, really, Lord, that person? Yeah, that person is bound by Satan and they are doing what they think is right while under that influence, okay? Or maybe they are following Jesus or they acknowledge Jesus, but they're being deceived right now. Whatever it is, our job is to simply say this. Father, don't count this sin against them. I pray that you, that you would forgive them and that you would reconcile them to yourself. We're called to do that. They may have authority to annoy me right now. They may have authority to wound me right now. They may have authority to even kill me right now. But Lord, you gave me authority to pray for them, to ask that their sins be forgiven, and to get them another chance to be set free from sin and death. Do you hear that? This is the authority we're walking in. Lord, we will do what you have done and what you are doing. We refuse to put ourselves in bondage. We will forgive and pray for people who aren't repenting, and we ask that you would rescue them. Let me read that again. Can you agree to this? We will forgive and pray for people who aren't repenting, and we ask that you would rescue them. You guys know that repentance is a gift from God? He's the one that grants us repentance and then grants us forgiveness. 
We need, we need the Lord to appear to these people on the street, but not just smite them blind, but that they would be reconciled to God because, guys, that's what God did for us. Lord, we pray that you would save the souls in our day. Let them know that they're persecuting you. Let the scales fall from their eyes, Lord. Let them know you. Lord, we live in the days of the greatest harvest the world has yet seen. Lord, forgive them and reveal yourself to all who are persecuting you. You didn't come to judge the world. You came to save it. Forgive those, Lord, who are doing evil deeds. Grant them repentance, God. Let this be the greatest day of salvation for every evildoer, for every persecutor, for every self-righteous jerk out there, Lord. Let this be the day of salvation. And Lord, if I'm the self-righteous jerk right now, let it be my day of salvation. God, redeem those who are trying to bind others and themselves are in bondage. Lord, don't count these sins against them. Let your salvation come. Grant them repentance. We forgive them. Lord, we ask that you forgive them in Jesus' name. Amen? I want us to take a time. We're going to respond to this. And Kristen is going to just walk us through a time that where we're going to now walk this out together. Love you guys. I just love how Joshua said this is such a kingdom principle, and in theory, we're all agreeing. Like, we all agree in theory. But I love what he said. He said, this is hardcore Jesus stuff that we're asked to walk in. And so, in, in, in theory, we're a yes. But to Ananias, to, to Stephen, and to us, these are personal things that they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. So we're going to ask you to get into groups of two or three, and we're going to take about five minutes. And we're going to be asking, Holy Spirit, um, Holy Spirit, who in my life is just, who is it that I'm seeing that's personal to me that, that I'm really troubled by their actions? Maybe they're coming against me. Maybe they're coming against my family. Maybe they're coming against the Jesus people in my community. Maybe it's someone at work. But let's just take some time, and what we want you to do is we, we, we want you to pray. Don't, don't share the story, because we don't have a lot of time, but just choose one person in the group just to start, and you get to pray, and then have one other person in, in the group pray in agreement with you to just say a prayer after you on your behalf. So there's two people agreeing for that person, um, that Father would forgive them. Um, and then go ahead and, and switch. So we're going to take five minutes to do that. Thank you.
Amen. We agree. And as we, as we close today, again, um, maybe in that prayer time, you felt that Ananias call. Like, maybe you are supposed to call up your neighbor and, and drop off a meal to them or, or make, take a step action, like take a step towards them. So just remember this is always a beginning of, the com- of good conversation with God. So we just want to welcome you this week to continue to lift those people up that maybe came on your heart today and ask the Lord, do you want me to do something in love towards them or continue to pray about it and let the Lord speak to you more about it. I want to thank you for today and if you want to continue to pray about anything about that or something else um, we would love to pray with you so the elders and the prayer team and the staff will be up here have a wonderful day